Section three of the Doctor's Christmas Eve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Doctor's Christmas Eve by James Lane Allen. Section three. When a boy finds out about his father. Part two. Therefore, he now declared that the sick are in all neighbourhoods, as he might have stated that there are wings on all birds, or leaves on all growing apple trees. Not all over the world? asked the boy, enlarging his vision in space. All over the world, admitted the doctor with entire cheerfulness. The fact was a matter of no consequence. Not all the time? asked the boy, enlarging his outlook in time. All the time? all over the world and all the time conceded the doctor as though this made not the slightest difference to a human being isn't there a single minute when everybody is well everywhere not a single solitary minute then somebody must always be suffering the doctor nodded again the matter was not worth speaking of then somebody else must always be sorry the doctor bowed encouragingly then I am sorry too This time the doctor did not move his head and he did not open his lips He saw that a new moment had arrived in the boy's growth a consciousness of the universal tragedy and personal share and sorrow in it He knew that many people never feel this Some feel it late a few feel it early He had always said that children should never feel it He knew also that when once it has begun it never ends nothing ever banishes it or stills it that perception of the human tragedy and one's share and sorrow in it he did not welcome its appearance now in his son least of all for an instant he charged himself with having made a mistake in taking the child along on his visits to the sick thus making known too early the dark side of happy neighborhood life then he went further back and trace this premature seriousness to its home and its beginning in prenatal depression in a mother's anguish and a wife's despair it was a bitter retrospect it kept him brooding the chatter was persistent a hand was stretched up and it took hold of his chin and shook it there ought to be a country where nobody suffers and there ought to be a time a large country and a long time there is such a country and there is such a time herbert said the doctor now with some sadness Then I'll warrant you it's part of the United States cried the boy getting his idea of mortality slightly mixed with his early Americanism Texas would hold them wouldn't it don't you think Texas could contain them all and contain them forever? The doctor laughed and seemed to think enough had been said on the subject of large enough graveyards for the race why don't you doctors send your patients to that country perhaps we do sometimes the doctor laughed again do you ever send yours possibly and how many do you send i don't know exclaimed the doctor laughing this time without being wholly amused i don't know and i never intend to try to find out when i grow up we'll practice together and send twice as many the boy said looking into his father's eyes with the flattery of professional imitation so we will there'll be no trouble about that twice as many perhaps three times no trouble whatever 
he took the hands from his shoulders and laid them in the palm of his and studied them those masculine boyish hands that had never touched any of the world's suffering and then he looked at his own hands which had handled so much of the world's suffering but had never reached happiness happiness which for years had dwelt just at his fingertips but beyond arm's reach not very long afterwards another conversation lettered another milestone in the progress of mutual understanding it was a beautiful drowsy may morning near noon and the two were driving slowly homeward along the turnpike when the lazily trotting horse reached the front gate of a certain homestead he stopped and threw one ear backward as a living interrogation point as his answer he got an unexpected cut in the flank with the tip of the lash that was like the sting of a hornet a reminder that the driver was not alone in the buggy that the horse should have known he was not alone and that what he did when alone was a matter of confidence between master and beast the boy who had been thrown backward heels high laughed as he settled himself again on his cushion he thought you wanted to turn in he thinks too much sometimes don't they ever get sick there i suppose they do then you turn in then i don't turn in aren't you there doctor i was the doctor once where was i i don't know where you were you were not born so many things happened before i was born i wish they hadn't it is a pity i had the same experience the buggy rolled slowly along homeward on one side of the road were fields of young indian corn the sword-like blades flashing in the sun on the other side fields of red clover blooming the fragrance was wafted over the fence to the buggy further in a soft grassy lawn on a little knoll shaded by a white ash a group of sleek cattle stood content in their blameless world over the prostrate cows one lordly head its incurved horns deep hidden by its curls kept guard the scene was a living kentucky replica of paul potter's bull drive murmured the doctor handing over the reins and he drew his hat low over his eyes and set his shoulder against the corner of the buggy he often caught up with sleep while on the road and he often tried to catch up with thinking the horse always knew when the reins changed hands he disregarded the proxy kept his own gait picked the best of the road and turned out for passing vehicles the boy now grasped the lines with unexpected positiveness and he leaned over and looked up under the rim of his father's hat i hope the doctor they employ will give them the wrong medicines he confided i hope the last one of them will have many a rattling good bellyache for their meanness to you then more years for father and son each finding the other out and now finally on the morning of that twenty-fourth day of december the father was to witness a scene in the drama of his life as amazingly performed by his son illustrating what a little actor can do when he undertakes to imitate an old actor to whom he is most loyal that morning after breakfast the apt pupil in life's school had been sent for and when he had entered the library his father was sitting before the fire idle the buggy was not waiting outside the hat and overcoat and gloves were nowhere in sight and he had not gotten ready his satchel which took the place of the saddlebags of earlier generations when the country doctor travelled around on horseback and carried the honey of physic packed at his thighs like a wingless befattened bumblebee 
this morning it looked as though all the sick were well at last it was a sound if wicked world and nothing was left for a physician but to be happy in it without a profession and without wickedness he threw himself into his father's impulsively opened arms and was heaved high into his lap though he was growing rather mature for laps now he was beginning to speculate about having something of a lap of his own quite a good deal of a lap how is the children's epidemic today never you mind about the children's epidemic i'll take care of the children's epidemic repeated the doctor pulling the long-faced autumn-faced prodigy of all questions between his knees and looking him over with secret solicitude we'll not talk about sick children but about two well children thanked be the father of all children so you and elsie are going away to help celebrate a christmas tree yes but when are you going to have a christmas tree of our own now that subject had two prongs and the doctor seized the prong that did not pierce family affairs did not pierce him he settled down to the subject with the splendid warmth and heartiness well let me see you may have your first christmas tree as soon as you are old enough to commence to do things for other people as soon as you can receive into your head the smallest hard pill of an idea about your duty to millions and millions and millions of your fellow medicine takers can you understand that gracious that would be a big pill larger than my head i don't see what it has to do with one miserable little dead pine tree the doctor roared it has this to do with one miserable dead pine tree don't you know yet that christmas trees are in memory of a boy who was once exactly your age and height and perhaps with your appetite and with just as many eyes and possibly even more questions the boy grew up to be a man the man became a teacher the teacher became a neighborhood doctor the neighborhood doctor became the greatest physician of the world and he never took a fee ah yes but he wasn't a better doctor than you are was he if he'd come into this neighborhood and tried to practice you'd soon have ousted him wouldn't you with your doses and soups and jellies hm grunted the doctor with a wry twist of the mouth i suppose i would yes undoubtedly i'd have ousted him he could never have competed with me in my practice never but we won't try that hard little pill of an idea any more we'll drop the subject of christmas trees for one more year perhaps by that time you can take the pill as a powder so i hear you are going to attend a dancing party we'll talk about the party and you are going over there to stay all night i wish i were going i wish i were going over there to stay all night reiterated the man with an outrush of solemn tenderness that reached back through vain years through so many parched unfilled years i wish so too cried the boy instantly burying his face on his father's coat sleeve then lifting it again and looking at him with a guilty flush which the doctor did not observe oh do you we won't say anything more about that though i'm glad you'd like to have me along now then go and have a good time and take long steps and large mouthfuls and you might do well to remember that a boy's stomach is not a bird nest to be lined with candy eggs I think candy eggs would make a very good lining better than real eggs and about half the time you're trying to line me with them aren't you with all the sulphur in them and i do hate sulphur 
and i have always hated it since the boy at my desk in school wore a bag of it around his neck under his shirt to keep off diseases my how he smelt worse than contagion candy eggs would make a very good lining even the regular soldiers get candy in their rations now and they don't have to eat new-laid eggs of mornings think of an army having to win a hard-fought battle on soft-boiled eggs they don't have to do that do they they do not said the doctor they positively do not but we won't say anything more about eggs saccharin or sulphurous what are you going to do at the party i am going to dance alone oh dear all alone you'd better go skate on the ice not all alone i should say not with my girl of course that's better much better and then what i am going to promenade with my girl on my arm on both arms did you say no on one arm which either that sounds natural heart action regular brain unclouded temperature normal and then what next i'm going to take the darling in to supper hold on not so fast suppose there isn't any supper for the darling don't say that it would nearly kill me don't you suppose there'll be any supper i'm afraid there will be well after the darling has had her fatal supper of course you won't want any what then what else is there to do you don't look as innocent as you imagine you don't have to confess what you'd like to do do you would you have told your father I don't think I would then I won't tell you then you needn't I don't wish to know only it must not be on the cheek remember you are no son of mine if it's on the cheek I thought I heard you say that got people into trouble maybe I did I ought to have said it if I didn't and it seems to be the kind of trouble that you are trying to get into temperature rising but still normal respiration deeper all symptoms favorable no further bulletins deemed necessary well then where were we anyhow i'd never thought of cheeks when i've thought of that i thought cheeks were for chewing guardian powers of our erring reason where did you get that idea if sanity can call it an idea watching our cows the doctor laughed till tears ran down his face you can't learn much about kissing by watching anybody's cows governor he said wiping the tears away not about human kissing you must begin to direct your attention to an animal not so meek and drivable you must learn to consider my son that hornless wonder and terror of the world who forever grazes but never ruminates for years in talking with a mind too young wholly to understand he had enjoyed the play of his own mind he knew only too well that there are few or none with whom a physician may dare have his sportive fling at his fellow creatures at life in general from a listener who never sat in harsh judgment and who would never miscarry his random words he had upon occasion derived incalculable relief anyhow i have learned that cows have the new american way of chewing so they never get indigestion do they if they do they cannot voice their symptoms in my mummied ears said the doctor who often seemed to himself to have been listening to hue and cry for medicine since the days of Totmes. however we won't say anything further about that what else are you going to do over there this can't possibly be all 
Tonight we children are going to sit up until midnight to see whether the animals bellow and roar and make all kinds of noise on Christmas Eve. We know they don't, but we're going to prove they don't. Where did you pick up that notion? Where did you pick it up when you were a boy? I fail to remember, admitted the doctor with mock dignity, damaged in his logic, but recalling the child legend that on the night of the nativity universal nature was in sympathy with the miracle. All sentient creatures were wakeful and stirring, and sent forth the chorus of their cries in stables and barns, paying their tribute to the divine in the manger, and proclaiming their brotherhood with him who was to bring into the world a new gospel for them also. I don't know where I got that, he repeated. Well, after all the animals bellow and roar and make all kinds of noise, then what? There isn't but one thing more, and that is best of all. You don't say. Out with it. That is our secret. The new decision of tone demonstrated that another stage had been reached in their intercourse. The boy had withdrawn his confidence. He had entered the ranks of his own generation and had taken his confidence with him. Personally also, he had shut the gate of his mind and the gate was guarded by a will. Henceforth, it was to be opened by permission of the guard. Something in their lives was abruptly ended. The father felt like ending the talk. Very well, then. We won't say anything more about the secret. And now you had better run along. But I don't want to run along just yet. It will be a long time before I see you again. Have you thought of that? He reversed his position so as to face the fire, and he crossed his feet out beyond the promontory of the doctor's knees and folded his arms on the rampart of those enfolding arms. For a few moments there was intimate silence. Then he inquired, How old must a boy be to ask a girl? A flame more tender and humorous burned in the doctor's eyes. Ask her what? Ask her nothing. Ask her. You mean tell her, don't you? Not ask her, my friend and relative. Tell her. Well, ask her and tell her too. They go together. Is it possible? I'm always glad to learn. Then how old must he be? Well, if you stand in need of the opinion of an experienced physician, as soon as he learns to speak would be about the right period. That would be the safest age. The patient would then have leisure to consider his case before being affected by the disease. You could have time to get singed and step away gradually, instead of being roasted alive all at once. Does that sound hard? Not very. Do you love a girl longer if you tell her, or if you don't tell her? I'm afraid nobody has ever tried both ways. Suppose you try both, and let us have the benefit of your experience. Well, then, if you love, do you love forever? The doctor laughed nervously and tightened his arms around the innocent. Nobody has lived forever yet. Nobody knows. But forever, while you live, do you love as long as that? You wouldn't know until you were dead, and then it would be too late to report. But aren't you doing a good deal of hard fighting this morning, on soft-boiled eggs? Though I think the victory is yours, General. The victory is truly and honestly yours. I can't stop thinking, can I? You don't expect me to stop thinking, do you, when I'm just beginning really to think? Very well, then. We won't say anything more about thinking. Then do you, or don't you? Now what are you trying to talk about? demanded the doctor angrily, and as if on instant guard. 
he knew hatred seemed coming to life in him there was a burning flash of it in his eyes just between ourselves suppose that when i am a man and after i have been married to elizabeth a while i get tired of her and want a little change and i fell in love with another man's wife and dared not tell her because if i did i might get a bullet through me would i love the other man's wife more because i could not tell her or would i love her more because i told her and risked a bullet paul like silence draped the room thick awful silence the father lifted his son from his lap to the floor and turned him squarely around and looked him in the eyes imperiously many a time with some such screened but piercing power he as a doctor had scrutinized the faces of children to see whether they were aware that some vast tragedy of life was in the room with them to keep them from knowing had often been his main care seeing them know had been life's last pity young children finding out the tragedies of their parents with one another so many kinds of tragedies you had better go now he urged gently then an idea clamped his brain in its vice and remember while you are over there you must try to behave with your best manners because you are going to stay in the house of a great lady all the questions that you want to ask ask me when you come back ask me the boy standing before his father said with a strange quietness and stubbornness probing him deeply through the eyes you haven't answered my last question yet have you not yet said the doctor with strange quietness also the boy had never before heard that tone from his father it's sad being a doctor isn't it he suggested studying his father's expression what do you know about sad who told you anything about sad muttered the doctor with new sadness now added to old sadness nobody had to tell me i knew without being told run along now now i'll walk along but i won't run along i'll walk away from you but i won't run away from you he wandered across the room and stood with his hand reluctantly turning the knob then with a long silent look at his father he closed the door between them end of section three